Hey, y'all, Eula here writing solo this week because Jeannie's actually on vacation. Jeannie works really hard to make this show happen, and she absolutely deserves a break. We all do. So take care of yourself between battles, you guys. So this is the fourth episode. And so far on the podcast, we've tackled topics like the gender pay gap, man interruption, and imposter syndrome. I mean, they're just great topics. If you haven't heard them all, go back and catch up. Oh, wait. I'm joking. Okay. So our goal is to eradicate sexism in the workplace by giving people tactics to fight it. Help empower people to take a little more control over their lives. You feel me? On today's episode, we want to take a look at the ultimate tactician. Someone who has taken control over her life in ways that are incredible. Well, actually, incredible doesn't even do it justice. Some call her the hardest working woman in show business. It's... it's my job to give 100% and, and I feel like, you know, I've been allowed to do what I love for so long. I love my job, so the least I can do is give my all. That's right. The queen bee herself, Beyonce. So I know I'm not the only one obsessing over Beyonce's new album with her husband, Jay-Z, called Everything is Love. One of the songs on it is called Boss. Great-great-grandchildren already rich. That's a lot of brown turn on your Forbes list. I wish you were my boss, man. So in this song, she and Jay-Z talk about what success means. And it got me thinking about Beyonce's evolution as both an artist and entrepreneur. She's come so far in her career since she first started performing as a little girl. She's a superstar, an icon, the queen. She sold over 100 million records. She fired her longtime manager, her own father, to run her empire her damn self. Harvard Business School did a case study on Beyonce after she surprise dropped her self-titled album in 2013. She's also been given full control of the cover of this September's issue of Vogue. That never happened. I could absolutely go on for days. She's constantly changing the rules of the game. She's a businesswoman and a businesswoman. Oh, and she also has three kids. She makes it all look so easy. But she also openly talks about how difficult it can be. In her music, she works through her struggles with her career, relationships, and ideas. Big ideas, like feminism. Though she may wear really sexy clothing and she's a performer, I consider Beyonce to be a model of feminism. This is Ginger McKnight Chavers. She's a former attorney and author, and she wrote a piece for Essence called Why Beyonce is My Type of Feminist. Ginger sees Beyonce as a powerful feminist role model because her journey has been messy, imperfect, but in the end results in the epic success that is Beyonce. There's so much that we can learn from Beyonce's journey so we can slay at work. Let's get it. This is Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace. I'm Eula Scott Bino, and yes, your workplace is sexist, even if you're Beyonce. Okay, here's some context. Ginger McKnight Chavers wrote her essence piece about Beyonce in response to a series of hot takes after Beyonce performed at the 2014 Video Music Awards. MTV, welcome to my world. So during her performance, Beyonce declared herself a feminist in the most Beyonce way possible, wearing a bomb, super fly, sparkly leotard, and in front of huge light up letters of the word feminist. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. sexes. It was amazing. 
But Beyonce received tons of criticism for doing this. She, she's made so much money. She owns her performance. She owns her industry. And yet the message, if you listen to her lyrics of many of her songs, are, I don't know, can you say skanky? Is that all right? So the question is, is this the new face of feminism today? Not surprised to get that reaction from Megyn Kelly. I mean, she's a hater. But she was criticized by feminist scholars, too, like Bell Hooks, y'all. I see a part of Beyonce that is, in fact, anti-feminist, that is a terrorist, especially in terms of the impact on young girls. So Beyonce declared herself a feminist and people hated it. In their view, she was not a perfect example of what it means to be an empowered woman. But Ginger McKnight Shaver says that's kind of the point. Jeannie and I asked Ginger about it a while back. What Beyonce does is that she just sort of lays it all out there, her relationships, her progress in life. She works through through her art. And part of that journey seems to be one in which she's trying to find her own center and her, her own sense of empowerment through it. And that's also a feminist journey where she's defining what she wants and how she's going to live her life as opposed to having it defined by other people. But other people are parts of our lives. You can't completely segregate those people because you're going to have to deal with them. You're going to have to deal with men in the workplace and in various parts of your life. And it's kind of in the tradition of female artists, particularly musical artists. I mean, we don't necessarily consider Mary J. Bly's to be less of a feminist because she deals with relationships in her music. Or salt and pepper, who were like really overtly, um, overtly expressed their sexuality in a lot of their music, but we still consider them strong feminist icons in many ways. Right. Because they're empowered, they kind of say and do what they want, yeah. and um, and have people meet them on their terms. And I think what I like about Beyonce is that she's showing us the messy journey of getting to the point where people are dealing with her on her terms. Totally. One of the things that struck me in what you wrote and then in the conversation we're having now is that idea that Beyonce's journey is what defines her feminism. It's not about telling other people whether they're feminist enough or not or feminist in the right way or not. But ultimately, why do you think it matters that Beyonce's feminism is defined in that way? It's defined by her journey. It's defined by empathy. Because it allows her to be the human being she's meant to be, which is essentially what we all want to do, rather than being defined by what other people say we should be, whether that's a more negative, male-dominated, this is what you're supposed to be, or whether it's placing a box around what your empowerment means. Uh, I think feminism can be a, a really broad concept that embraces women's journeys along a wide spectrum. The other thing I do like about Beyonce's view of feminism as well and is that it's one that embraces other women yes. rather than having this, this more somewhat divisive view. Um, I've noticed how in The Lemonade, album where she was drawing upon other women sort of her elders right and from lots of different inspirations to create an empowering message for this particular journey she was going through which seemed to be a relationship journey but it that relationship journey had 
much broader implications. And what I like about her, her sharing that journey was that what people have been taking away, or at least what most women I talk to have taken away, and, and particularly young women, is not a, oh, this is just about a relationship, or, oh, I'm going to dress sexy, or anything like that. They re- People have really been taking away a, a very empowering personal message from that. So I think she's successful because her message is empowering. It's very embracing of other women and almost like healing. Um, I, I took four 16-year-old girls to see <laughs> the Beyonce concert. And I mean, I was sort of the fly on the wall as they were talking about it on the way home. But something we all remarked on was that her facial expressions and her smile and her energy was very, very warm. And it was very almost grateful for mm-hmm. everyone being there. So then you're just sort of wrapped up in this love fest. And, and I thought that was a positive thing to see. I mean, she obviously was doing this because she loved it. And that made an impression because they are young New Yorkers and they see they see artifice all the time. But I do think they felt very empowered as if she was a role model just in terms of being a woman that really controls her journey. Mm-hmm. And it, but it, uh, it has re- reached it maybe in a, in a messy way. It hasn't been perfect along that journey, though, though of course, she looks perfect. All, you know, everything <laughs> about it looks perfect. Um, but just because it's curated and looks perfect doesn't mean it's not authentic. And uh, it, uh, I think they were really impressed by that. Yeah. I went to see Beyonce's tour with Jay-Z. And I went to that one with a bunch of girlfriends and um, Mm -hmm. we walked away feeling really disappointed in Beyonce's part, which I know sounds crazy. I I know what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) But what happened was I feel like it was interesting to kind of look back on that time as a time tumultuous time in their relationship because it looked like she had kind of shrunk herself in order Mm -hmm. to for him to be more, you know, boisterous and big. And I'm a big Jay-Z fan, too. And I honestly... Every time a Jay-Z song came on, I was dancing and having a great time. And then she would go into these ballads that were so depressing. And I was thinking, what is going on in this relationship mm-hmm. that he's so confident and she's so small? Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very real thing for even very accomplished women to make themselves smaller to support the people they love. I mean, I practiced law for a long time. I know of a lot of women, uh, myself included, who just to balance work and family life made certain choices. Now, I made choices that were consistent with things that I also wanted to do. And it was something that worked out better um, to balance my family load. But I've, I know countless people where you got may, maybe have two people in a relationship where one person's career often has to give maybe not permanently, but at least for a while, to make it work. And in male-female relationships, it's often the woman. Mm -hmm. And that's a very real thing. And that's something people are still struggling with. Hopefully, with the awareness that people have, I'm hoping for younger women, uh, millennials and younger, that it's just getting increasingly better. But uh, it's a real issue that that women often have a 24-hour workday. You do your second job when you get home and that it can even affect someone sort of at a at such a high level is a very relatable message and but then to see her where she comes out on the other end that's empowering because sometimes if you preach to women about what they're supposed to be it's 
almost kind of clips their wings a little bit because you feel like, oh, I'm too flawed. I can't, I just can't, I can't live up to that, to this ideal that I have. And so you just kind of shrink inside yourself and you get through every day. But if you see people who are still struggling, even as they're living very successful, accomplished lives, but still struggle with the same things that other people do, but co- but find a way to come out on the other side and show people it's a journey. It it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. There are road bumps all along the way. I think that's very empowering for people, even if the example is someone like Beyonce, who's you know worth like probably half a billion dollars and <laughs> has you know staff, yeah, you know, all you know everything, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, at least the human journey is something that you can really relate to and feel like, oh, well, everyone has problems and everyone has this struggle with, I, I consider myself a feminist, I believe in equality, but why am I the only person cleaning up after the family? Why am I always making the meals? Why am I keeping the, the calendar? Why am I the only person who knows where anybody's socks are? I mean, feminism, it, it involves equality, but I really think that the essence of it is justice, and that can take many forms. Um, there's justice for women around the world who are facing incredible um, oppression. But there's also justice in terms of our relationships, um, not just equality for equality's sake, but where you feel like you are able to be your best self and accomplish what you are meant to accomplish in life without being dragged down because of your gender, Hmm. whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's socially, um, whether it's in the activities you love. That's really the essence of it is justice, I think. What do you think that justice looks like at work for women, that feminist justice you're talking about? Well, certainly equal pay for equal work, but also equal opportunities, um, not being penalized because you're not one of the guys who can stay in the office till midnight or go out after work because he doesn't have to worry about things being held down at home and not having an assumption that if you do have a family that that means that you will be less of a contributor at work. That's that's still a real problem, and it's it, and it's an it's an injustice. So you made a great point there about Beyonce controlling her journey at work. How do you think other women can control their journey in their workplace? I think because she controls her office, her work basically. That office is just a vehicle for her voice. In most workplaces, you are part of the team for that enterprise's voice. Right. It is harder to be as individualistic. And each workplace has its own culture. I mean, I remember at a company where I worked, you're going to laugh at this, um, where it was a big deal about when were we going to wear pants. Mm. Hmm. This is in the 90s. Yeah. When were we going to wear pants? And all of us had bought, like, the Hillary Clinton pantsuit. You know, like, uh, hopefully more stylish versions. I've mm. completely forgotten about this. <laughs> and none of us, I mean, we're all kind of skirting, like, okay, who's gonna, when are we going to do it? And I finally just said, I'm going to do it. 
So it was me and one other woman who was also one of the younger single women <laughs> who lived in the city. We both wore our pantsuits the same week. I think I wore mine first and she wore hers the next day. <laughs> okay. And then everybody else slowly started breaking them in. And none of the men really said anything. I mean, I, I, they obviously noticed, but the fact that it really was, I mean, it was weeks of are having these little discussions like, oh, you know, I've seen them in like wearing pants. Like, can we get away with like a pantsuit? <laughs> yeah. Ginger, that's a total, I have to say that is a pretty Beyonce move. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing as showing up with a bunch of letters that light up behind you that say the word, but that's a pretty Beyonce move for a corporate that workplace. That was an I ain't sorry moment. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was your I ain't sorry moment. That's exactly yeah. right. There are always going to be subjective things going on at work. Um, workplaces can be a lot like high school sometimes. And it's funny, you still see a lot of the same dynamics, but you do at least want there to be a, a certain level of justice and opportunity to progress to your potential um, and to compete just on a, uh, to compete fairly. You have to be clear in your mind about what your objectives are. Because then if you know what you're going for, the stones along the path will, will start to appear. You'll see what your roadblocks are. You'll see what's ahead rather than just stumbling in the dark. But that's reality. I mean, for a lot of us, the journey is very messy. But if we acknowledge it and support one another through it, I think we can bring more women up and and make them more empowered and we we can all be feminists. You right. I love that. <laughs> right. Ginger McKnight Chavers is an author and former attorney. She's a Texan, and she is at the top dog of all blackness because she's written for Essence magazine, an article <laughs> called titled "Beyonce is My Type of Feminist." Thank you so much for speaking with us, Ginger. We really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that great, you guys? Ginger had such amazing career advice. And she had her own Beyonce moment. And she was not sorry about wearing that pantsuit. So this week, we're giving out a pantsuit badge in honor of being bold in the face of sexist workplace bullshit. Oh, I wish Jeannie was here to see this. And I wish I had an amazing 90s pantsuit. Ugh, it would absolutely be orange. Ooh, maybe pinstripe. So we'll be posting the badge on Instagram about a week after the show drops. Hold up, though. One last thing. I am crazy in love with all of you listening to the show, but if you're not signed up for Battle Tactics Newsletter, I promise you, it's the best thing you never had. It includes links to some of the topics we discussed in today's episode, but we also include a bunch of other materials to help you get information and tackle workplace sexism. Okay, remember, one of our goals is for all women to get paid what they're worth and finally have enough money to pay those bills, 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 so that each and every one of you can be the flawless woman we know you are. Let's run the world, y'all. Okay, I'm done because that was a lot of Beyonce references. So sign up by going to kow.org slash btsw. Battle Tactics for Your Sexist Workplace is a production of KOW in Seattle. This episode was produced by Maya Aina, oh, 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 no, no, and edited by Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, who has all the names. Brendan Sweeney is our managing producer. Our theme song was composed by Kessia Gordon. This podcast was inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club by the Jessica Bennett. Bye, y'all. I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown. 
can do whatever I want. Do whatever I want.